Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, firstly, I want to say thank you to uh, Andrew, Ian, and Bethany for giving me this chance to speak here at Southside. Um, it's, this church has played a very special role for me the last coming up on a year, and I certainly never imagined the first Sunday that I walked in these doors that I'd be up here in this kind of position, and so I'm, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to do this. I know some people here know me a bit. Uh, most of you likely know me as the guy who walks around with the giant camera lens and takes photos of you for the church Instagram. Um, aside from the photos I took of Mike and Ashlyn today, rest assured I'm not taking anyone else's photo, so don't worry about that. <laughs> Uh, what I aim to do with this time that I've been given today is to share a bit of my story and my testimony about how I first came into ministry, and my hope is that it will inspire you, that it'll encourage you, and maybe it'll give you some, some confidence about God's character and who he is. And so the story starts with me being a kid and what I wanted to do what I when I grew up and what I most definitely did not want to do. Um, as a kid, I was as shy and awkward as they come. I rarely wanted to leave the house. I couldn't even order my own food from strangers because I just didn't know how to talk to people. And growing up, I thought, I would love a job where I talk to as few people as humanly possible. <laughs> I most certainly never wanted to speak in public, <laughs> on a stage, <laughs> in front of a bunch of people. <laughs> Believe me, the irony is not lost on me. <laughs> and now my dad, on the other hand, is a minister and has been in ministry for easily 30 plus years. And uh, growing up, I answered the question that a lot of people ask a parent's kid, especially a pastor's kid. And uh, bear in mind, I used to travel the country with my dad. He was a traveling minister, and I'd run his book table. And so I got this question more than any other. He'd say, are you going to do what your dad does someday? And uh, outwardly, I'd respond you know, very politely with something to the effect of, oh, maybe, you never know. And on the inside, I'd think, absolutely not. <laughs> that is so far from what I want to do. I don't want to be relational for a living. I don't want to be in ministry. I don't want to do anything like that. And I thought to myself, in fact, I'm going to be a wildlife photographer. That way I can live in the forest and take pictures of animals and not be expected to talk to anyone. Well, look how that ended up. <laughs> and so going through school, that was sort of the idea I had in mind. Um, all the way up through elementary to, to high school graduation, I thought, I'm glad my dad loves ministry, but it's definitely not my thing. And so actually, I did go to school for photography. Uh, hence that giant camera that I walk around with. And uh, one of the things I needed to do when I was in my degree was get some volunteer hours in photography. And partway through my program, I'd gotten a good chunk of them, but there were still a few that I was missing, and so I thought I want to get those done and over with. And uh, during this time in my life, I attended a church in uh, Mississauga where I attended the young adults group there. And it was that young adults group where I really came into my own as a Christian, where I wrestled with my faith and got into the word and um, got really close with the young adults pastor there. And I say that to say that I knew him pretty well as he became this very formative figure for me. And I knew that he also happened to be the youth pastor of the church. And the thought I had was, well, I know youth pastor is always doing crazy things and all-nighters and gross food challenges and nerf battles. And I mean, youth pastors are just crazy in general. Definitely not talking about Gabe or anything. <laughs> and I thought, I'm sure that would make for great photos. And so I asked my, my young adults pastor, I said, hey, could I come do some, some hours and get some photos for you? He said, yeah, sure, of course. And um, the nights weren't easy enough. We settled on me coming for two Friday nights. And I came, I was just an observer. I didn't really interact with a lot of people. I did my photos and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm good and done, volunteer hours over. And it turns out I was actually very far 
from volunteer hours being over because as, as I was walking out the door, my pastor says to me, hey, so you're coming back next week as a youth leader, right? And at the time, being the chronic people pleaser that I was, I said, sure. <laughs> and I walked out the door and sat in my car and thought, what the heck was that? <laughs> I, I don't want to be a youth leader. I don't want to come back next week. I don't know how to talk to teenagers. I don't know how to do ministry. Why on earth did I say yes to that? <laughs> but I said I'd do it. And so I figured, sort of out of loyalty to my pastor, I was thankful for who he'd been in my life and what he'd done. And so I thought, I deserve it, or I owe it to him to at least give it a shot for a couple of weeks. And it went pretty much how I expected at first. I felt very awkward and on the outskirts. I didn't really know anyone, didn't know what I was doing. But then over the course of those first couple of weeks, I got a little more comfortable. I started to be a bit more regular. I knew some of the students a little better. And then it happened. I made my first real connection with a student, really just over the simplest of things. It was about, uh, we were both into film and photography. And so every week we met up and I'd ask him what he shot the last week and what movies he'd watched and what he was gonna do next. And we went like that for, for months. And what I didn't realize at the time was that it was the beginning of a trusting relationship for me. And after a couple months of being there as a youth leader, one of the nights has come to a close. We're hanging outside the church, waiting for the parents to come pick up the students. And this one student in particular, he pulls me aside and says, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And I'm thinking he's probably going to ask me something about photography. And now bear in mind, this, this student that I'm talking about, he is, he's very soft-spoken, very, very kind and, and loving and, and gentle. And to, to look at his life, by all appearances, he was, he was just very well-adjusted and came from a very good family. And as we sat on the curb, he just opened up to me in a way that I'd never seen before. And I saw this young guy. Sorry. Who was just racked with pain. It was in a really not great situation. And throughout the course of that conversation, mostly I just listened. I encouraged and, and I assured him that I'd be there and I'd pray with him and we'd get through it. And that night it really hit me. You know, that youth work and youth ministry, it's not just having fun playing silly games and staying up all night and all those crazy things. Don't get me wrong, that's a big part of it, but <laughs> those programs and those events, those kind of youth spaces, they create the space where trusting relationship is formed. And that same student, I met him when he was, I think, 15, and I think he's 21, 22 now. I was just at his wedding just a couple months ago, and I've met with him over the years, and I've, I've counseled him through his journey with God, and even we were talking about his marriage life, and it's just been this beautiful relationship. And so that experience at youth had really started shaping me, and suddenly photography didn't quite seem like the thing for me anymore, at least not as a career. And as hard as I had fought this notion of being in ministry as a kid, it really seemed to be working its way into my heart, just like I had for my dad and, and for my grandfather. And so slowly I turned my attention to Master's Bible College in Peterborough, the same place that my dad had gone, or my grandfather had gone, who's actually sitting right over there, <laughs> and actually where Mike had gone as well. And through a series of confirmation, through life events, and, and my grandfather speaking to me, I, I set up to Bible college, which was certainly not the place I anticipated going. And through that time, of course, I, heard, uh, I learned a whole lot about the Bible and, and being in ministry, and I really appreciated that time. But at the end of that program, I was placed on an internship on the far eastern coast of Canada. 
Uh, those are two of the students from, um, from Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, two who I got uh, very close with. And um, as I went out there, I just, I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with the ministry. And I loved it so much that I decided to come back and I actually spent two and a half years out there. And it was in that position that I really got to, to learn more about ministry, to learn, learn more about youth culture. In that position, I worked with youth who struggled with self-harm and suicidal tendencies, drug addictions, and really terrible family situations. But mostly, I just worked with youth who didn't believe in themselves and thought that they would have nothing to offer the world. And it was in that position that I really got to speak life into young people. I remember the first time I told a young girl that no matter what she'd done, no matter what way she'd messed up, that God loved her wholeheartedly and seeing her just burst into tears, sobbing. I worked with a young man whose father had left when he was three or four years old, and as a result, he had sort of developed this hardened facade and felt he had to show all this bravado and, and this tough masculinity. And seeing over the course of the two and a half years that I was there, seeing love in real time softening his heart to the point that when I, we were saying our goodbyes, he took hold of me and hugged me for like, I'm not exaggerating, five minutes, and we just bawled our eyes out together. <laughs> And that, that sort of role, that position, it opened up to me even more the value of working with youth and, and the need that's there. And then suddenly, after all the time there, I, I felt this shift. Nothing in the ministry had changed, nothing in the people had changed, but suddenly I was different. And where I once felt this complete contentment in the ministry, suddenly I felt unfulfilled. And I thought, well, why is this? I mean, there's still incredible value in, in the ministry. There's still things to be done. There's still relationships to pour into. I feel there's so much left to do here. And I fought that notion for as long as I could until finally I just, I settled with the fact, I think God's telling me that it's time to go to the next thing. And so I handed in my notice and about a month later I made the long drive back home, which is a, a good 20 hours. <laughs> and I came home and it was incredible to see my friends and family who I hadn't gotten to see in years because I was out there during COVID. And so being able to come home was was a very rare blessing. And after a couple of weeks, I'd seen everyone that I wanted to see, and I was back in this position of, well, what now? And that now what period kind of lasted about two months. And I wasn't sure where I wanted to go or what I was supposed to do or what God was leading me into. And I tried attending my old church and nothing against them, but they'd gotten a new pastor and the congregation had grown to a lot of different people I hadn't known. And so I felt a bit in the outskirts and I thought I wanted something that was similar to where I was back out east. And so on a whim, April 2nd, Sunday morning of last year, I Googled churches near me. And now I've been in Milton a long time, and I thought, there's no way I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna see a church that I haven't seen before. But Southside Community Church pops up. And I never heard this church before, but I like the sound of the name. <laughs> and so I clicked through to the website, and I, and I read the bios of, of the staff. And I can't say why in particular, but just something about them felt warm and, and welcoming and inviting. And so I got the address and I found the service time and I showed up where, first of all, I was greeted with a very radical church endeavor. Uh, for anyone who has only ever been to Southside and not other churches, walking in and seeing tables instead of rows of, of chairs, it was, it was a very unique experience compared to the churches I've been in previously, as well as seeing when, they serve, when you guys serve communion that you use real bread and not waivers. <laughs> I thought, wow, this is a, this is a real church. <laughs> Uh, 
And so I found a spot at the table and I sat down and it was a great service and great message. Uh, Pastor Ian spoke on Lectio Divina. I'm not sure if any of you would remember that. Actually gave me the model for biblical reading that I still follow to this day. And yeah, a great service and then it came to an end. And as it often does here, when we're dismissed, people kind of explode in the conversation. And then I'm sat there realizing, I don't know a single person here. And I feel, not for the first time in my life, a bit awkward and a bit on the outside. And so I'm thinking to myself, sitting at one of the tables close to over there, as I'm like, I like the service, I like the feel of it. I might come back sh next week, I'm, I'm not sure. And right before I stand, uh, Jen Kay sits down in front of me. And she says, hey, I noticed you're new. What's your name, what's your story? And it wasn't just this superficial conversation that was only a minute. She actually sat and listened to me for five or ten minutes. And I talked about ministry and how I was looking to get back into youth drop-in work. That was the thing I wanted to do. And I said I had no idea what I was going to do that. And she says, hey, I happen to know the youth center director. He's standing like ten feet from you. And I look over, and um, for those who haven't seen uh, Mike since his, his haircut, <laughs> <laughs> I thought, wow, this church, it has, it has tables, it has bread, and it has Jesus. <laughs> and so uh, me and Jen, we, we continued our conversation, and I thought about going over to say hi, but I felt a bit intimidated walking over to someone I didn't know at all and just asking about ministry, and so I thought, I'll, I'll try the next week. And so sure enough, I did come the next week. And uh, again, it was, it was a great service and a great message. I really appreciated the time. And I thought, I sh maybe I should go over to this guy, Mike, and, and say hi and introduce myself. But I still felt a bit weird about it, so I thought, maybe the week after. And right before I stand again, someone else, someone else sits down in front of me, and this time it's uh, Rachel. And same thing, she says, hey, I noticed that you knew her. What's your name? What's your story? And so I go through, and we have the conversation. And same thing, she says, hey, I know this guy, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and she's actually, this time, she says, here, come over. I'll introduce you. And so I follow a bit nervously, not knowing uh, what to expect. And uh, me and Mike, we had a five, ten-minute conversation. And we swapped numbers with the intention to grab coffee sometime the next week. And uh, at that point in time, I'd heard very little about YFC. I knew my grandfather had done some volunteer work with them. I knew it was a global organization. I knew that Billy Graham had done it, but that was about the extent of my knowledge. And so really, my only objective in meeting with Mike was to ask a little bit about what YFC was and maybe talk about volunteering. And I envisioned that conversation being something about 45 minutes. Uh, when we sat down, all told, we were there for about two hours. And uh, we talked about uh, life, philosophy, and, and ministry, and all these different things. And by the end of it, Mike was offering me a job. And then Mike did say as a caveat, you know, just so you know, YFC staff members are responsible to raise 100% of their salary. And that's when on the outside I presented a calm demeanor of consideration. And on the inside I thought, nope. <laughs> But I'd said, no, I wasn't doing something before in life. And well, again, you know how that ended up. <laughs> and in truth, I, I was curious about the ministry. I was curious about what it looked like. And so I asked Mike if I could become a volunteer. And I was onboarded. 
uh, thereafter and pretty quickly I came to see Resoul for what it was and it was as advertised. It's not a place where religion is forced onto young people. It's a place where young people come to feel safe, to feel accepted, to feel appreciated, to grow in relationship and develop community, to be able to share their, their views and opinions without fear of judgment. And most importantly, it's a place where trusting relationship is formed. And I've seen even the relationships that Mike talks about and the people who, have, who came from junior high over to senior high and have stuck around and been part of the Resol community for years and years after. And in some cases, it's been life-saving. You know, as in, when I was in the volunteer position, I saw self-proclaimed atheistic teenagers come to specifically advertised Bible-centered programs and wrestle with questions about God. I saw others ask about heaven and hell and, and who God was and, and what it all meant. And so I started thinking, oh, dang it. <laughs> this place is actually really cool. <laughs> but man, fundraising is a really steep ask. And so I entered into the season of, of wrestling with this potential position. The longer I was a volunteer there, the more I felt my heart being pulled into it. And yet fundraising terrified me, the idea of going to people in, in my life with an ask like that. And for months, there was this tension, this, this back and forth. My heart saying, yes, go for it. This is what God's leading you into. The mind saying, no, that's crazy. That's way too much. And Mike was very patient with me throughout this time. We continued to meet for coffees as, as friends over the, over the time I made that decision. And he never put any pressure. He'd just say, hey, just so you know, the offer still stands. And I got to this point where I was reaching sort of a, a breaking point. You know, I was frustrated with this tension because I had been wrestling with this choice for, for months and I was no closer to a clear answer about what I was going to do next. And the week before I told Mike that I was going to do this and accept this position, I happened to be out on a camping trip out west with my girlfriend and her family. And one of the last nights I was there, uh, most everyone else had gone to bed. It was just me sitting by the campfire and we were in the middle of nowhere, so I'm looking at this beautiful sea of stars. And that's when I decided it's time for me to, to pray a crazy prayer. If anyone here is familiar with the story of Gideon and the fleece, I kind of have my own version of that. I said, God, if I'm supposed to do YFC, if I'm supposed to be part of this, I know that I can't do fundraising. Only you can do that. So if I'm supposed to do this, I need you to tell me to do it. And then I got even more specific with God and said, okay, here's my conditions. <laughs> I said, God, I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to look at this spot in the sky, and when I open them, you'll send a shooting star. I was like, there's no way he's going to do that. <laughs> Couldn't happen. But sure enough, I close my eyes, I count to three, I open them, and right where my eyes are looking, I see the star. And now I've heard stories like this before, and sometimes I'm skeptical, and I think, did that really happen? Is that just an exaggeration? But sure enough, I, I saw it, and I know it to be true. And so that, in combination with everything else, the way that my heart was being led there, the way that Mike was just turning out to be the perfect uh, mentor and, and someone to look up to, I just, I knew it was time to do this. And so I came back uh, to Milton a couple of days later. I sat down with Mike, and I told him I was going to do this. And I tell you, this has been nothing short of a move of God. And the more that I've trusted him, the more that I've leaned into him, the more that I've seen him come through and provide in ways that I never thought he would. But please don't misunderstand. It's not as though that this, since the second I started this, this fundraising journey, 
this stepping out in faith that's been easy the entire time because to my mind there are sort of there are two sides to faith when you step out in it the first is that conscious head knowledge that says God's given me the signs he's given me the confirmation he's given me all the things around me and he's led me to this moment where God leads he provides and then there's the other side the very human nature that says or that starts to, to doubt everything that God's led you into and say but are you really supposed to do this is God really going to provide for you? Is he really going to make this thing happen? And the first couple weeks of fundraising in particular were especially hard. One of the things I did first was I just sent out requests for contact information just so I could send out newsletters and, and mailing lists and all those kinds of things. And I sent out to most everyone that I knew. And I got a, a fair amount of yeses and uh, a couple more direct noes. And then I got a lot of people who just didn't even respond. And that's a really, it, it can be hard to not take it personally and to feel like, you know, to feel like something is, something's wrong with you or that you're doing the wrong thing or thinking about all the ways that think people think about you and, and doubt creeps in really quickly. And even when you see the signs and all the things that God has said that he's gonna do, your mind goes to that, that darker place and says, I'm not sure if he can do it. And a few weeks into the process, I was reminded um, of a Bible story I taught on a couple of years ago uh, based on the, uh, the character of Job. Uh, for those who don't know, the, the quick version of the story of Job is uh, Job is this very loving, faithful servant of God, and he gives everything to him, and then Satan comes to God one day and says, the only reason that your, th your servant is so faithful is because of how much you blessed him, how much you've given him. You take all that away from him, he's going to doubt you, he's not going to want to believe in you. And so God then gives control to Satan for the brief time and says, I give you permission to do what you will with Job. And Job experiences more trials and tribulations than almost any other person in the Bible. And it's towards the end of the book when Job is feeling lowest, when he doubts the most that God is in his corner. I mean, he's lost everything. And he hasn't cursed God, but he sincerely doubts that God's in his corner. And then something really interesting happens. Bear in mind this, this sitting in, in the sitting in the failure and the pain has been going on for 37 chapters until finally God says, enough. I have some questions for you. Ready yourself. You know, Southside last week started talking about God's presence, and I think Job experienced it probably more intimately than any other person in the Bible. God makes uh, many statements to Job, and I'll highlight just a few because they're really powerful. God says to Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? Who has cleft a channel for the torrents of rain and a way for the thunderbolt? Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Can you lead forth the constellations in their season? And that's just a handful of some 70 verses where God describes to Job in detail who he is and the power that he, that he has. And the purpose of these statements is for God to say, do you understand who it is that you're doubting? That's the God of the universe. The God who sustains all creation. The God who made 
and directs even light itself. And now I haven't suffered like Job, but I've sure had a lot of similar moments of doubt to him, wondering if I was really supposed to be where I am right now. You know, will God be able to provide? But as of this moment today, I stand before you at almost three-quarter funded, totally and completely beyond my ability, only because I know that God has been moving in people's hearts. And I tell the story of Job to ask, what is it that God has asked you to do? What has, what has he promised to you and said that he wants you to lean into? What person is he asking you to disciple? What leap of faith is he asking you to take? And what doubt is holding you back from stepping out into that faith? And no matter what step that is, we know that if we take it under the guidance of God, and we move forward, we know that he'll provide for us and protect us. I mean, what did Jesus say to his disciples? He said, as surely God provides for the birds of the sky and the flowers of the field, surely he will provide for you. And this has been my experience. I took time to sit in the presence of God and only move forward when I felt he'd brought clarity. And as scary as it has been to step out in this leap of faith, I've seen him provide just like Jesus said that he would. And so I know that life has a lot of challenges, but I know that they're all bearable when God is with you in them. And so whether it's fundraising for ministry or navigating through a really hard personal time or something that you're uncertain about, we know that if you bring it to God, that will lead you through. And that's a lesson that I'm continually learning in life, especially in the season that I'm in. But I've seen God's faithfulness, especially at times where I haven't been anywhere even close to deserving it. And as I'm seeing him be faithful to me, I know that he'll be faithful to you as well. I want to thank uh, Southside again for giving me this chance to, to come here and to share this, this message. Uh, the worship team can start making their way up. I've always wanted to do that in a pastor role. So just thank you again for the way that you've all been so welcoming to me and friendly and inviting. And this church has really been a big part of my life the last year. And I'm excited to see the direction of the church and, and to see what happens next in the youth ministry and future ministries and, and what the kids are doing upstairs. I'm just really excited for it. So thanks again.